Um, only thing I want to close with again is, you know, being careful. I always tell people just be careful of, you know, um, the money that you're taking out from these accounts. Be very mindful not to be paying yourself money just randomly without understanding the tax implications. And of course, be aware of the tax allowances. You can be very strategic, Peter. Hello and welcome to Woke Finance, the podcast discussing all things finance and all things finance related. It's your boy Peter and I'm with my co-host Jax. How are you, man? Hey, Peter. I'm very well, bro. Um, it's the new tax year. So many opportunities. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to the discussion as well. That's right, man. The last time we spoke, it was last year, not last calendar year, but last tax year. So happy new tax year, bro. You know how I like it. I love a new tax year. As I say, new opportunities new tax allowances um i'm so ready (laughs) that's it that's it man we're gonna get straight into it and go straight into this episode which is all about the new tax year and what we need to be thinking about on our side as we we are ready in the new tax year as well so hopefully this is a benefit to our listeners and a massive warm welcome to all of our listeners wherever you are and as we normally do Jax we give a shout out to a city a new city that's been jumping on and listening to our podcast today we're going to be shouting out Columbus, which is a city in Ohio, um, US. So giving a shout out to all of our listeners in Columbus. We hear them out. Oh my gosh. We've got quite a few listeners in the US, don't we? Yeah, we do, man. US show us a lot of love, man. I'm surprised you can even understand our accents, man. So (laughs) thank you very much, man. Keep supporting, keep sharing. And to all of our listeners all around, please, please do keep adding value to other people's lives as well, man. We do appreciate you. So yeah, man, Jax, we're going to get straight into it. It's a new tax year. In the UK, we have a new tax year that begins in April of every year. And there's obviously certain things that we need to be aware of when it comes to our finances. Obviously other things, but this is a podcast around finance and things relating to finance. So I guess, Jax, we're going to walk through a couple of things um, as and when they come to mind, I guess, and we'll see where we get to. Is that all good, yeah? That's great. Let's get started. Fantastic. Obviously, at the end of the, uh, if you can talk to us a bit more about, I guess, the dates and the dates uh, where it goes into previous, uh, the next tax year, etc. But normally, I'd, like in the last day or so of the previous tax year, what, yeah. it, what are some of the things that you might have had to do or you encourage people to do very much in that final day of the tax year? <laughs> well, the key word is allowances. Allowances. Um, you want to be taken advantage or the tax efficient allowances that you have, um, whether we're talking about the stocks and shares, ISA allowance, we're talking about pensions type of allowance. And also, you know, um, if you are someone who owns a business and, and that kind of stuff, there are things like capital gains allowance and, and dividend allowance that you can take advantage of. This is very important for investors, for individuals, and also for, for entrepreneurs as well. So that's what I'll be telling, especially all my individual clients and people that I coach that, you know, if you've got um, um, if you've got some um, allowances left over, and if you can try to take advantage of it before the new tax year, the tax year ends in the UK. The tax year ends on April the fifth, and it begins again on April the sixth. So by April the fifth, I had already made all the people that are around me aware that it is time for us to shine. It is time for us to take advantage of all our allowances before the new tax year begins. 
that's it. And although April the 5th is gone, it will come around very quickly next year. So hopefully uh, this is of value. And even though to listeners uh, that are not in the UK, you're, uh, you know, most uh, countries, you correct me if I'm wrong, Jacks, but they have equivalent types of systems in place, maybe at different types of the year as well. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, if you are from the US, again, big up our US listeners, make sure um, as this tax year, you know, we've entered a new tax year, you take advantage of your Roth RA and your and that kind of stuff. I don't know too much about the US tax efficient accounts, but I've heard of that one so often that it springs to mind. Absolutely. So let's talk a bit more about the fact that we're in a new tax year now, Jax. Um, we've got a whole year to play with some stuff. The key thing you mentioned was the allowance, which yeah. is... If played correctly, it's just a beautiful thing. When we're in, in 10, 15, 20 years' time, when we look back on it on this, and if we've had the opportunity to take full advantage of it, it's just a beautiful thing. But let's go a bit more into that, Jax. Yeah, sure. So um, we'll start off with my favorite type of allowance, which is the ISO allowance, which um, allows us to save and invest into um, various different assets within this what we call a tax efficient wrapper. And any gains that we make, whether it's capital gains, whether it's interest, or whether it's dividends, these things are free of tax. Now, if you are someone who is on a personal finance journey, on a journey to build financial freedom, financial independence, or anything positively financially related, the one thing you would like to do is to reduce the amount of tax that you are paying. Of course, we agree and we promote tax paying we think is great for the economy but if you can use your money wisely so that you look after yourself in the future so you don't have to rely on the government to look after you for example you can take full advantage of accounts like the ISA the ISA at a top level and I say top level because there are different types of ISAs but at a top level you have an allowance of 20,000 pounds as an allowance, which you can deposit into a tax efficient account, sorry, um, a, a type of ISA. And, you know, you can do whatever you want in there and not pay tax. That's amazing. And the truth of the matter is, it never used to be that big. Mm. It never used to be 20,000 pounds. Let's be honest, 20,000 pounds is a lot of money for the average person to even save. So the chances are most people don't use up the full allowance, but if you can, it's your time to shine. Again, this is the ISA allowance at the top level. Yeah, and uh, for our listeners, if we, we're speaking about ISAs and uh, we mentioned different types of ISAs, um, we do have a whole episode called ISAs Explained. Please do go back and check that out if you haven't. And talking of doing stuff, if you haven't already liked and subscribed and commented and shared, Press pause and make sure you subscribe so this comes straight to your device when the episode is out. Thank you very much. And Jax, what you're telling me right now, (laughs) the allowance allowance is 20K per year here in the UK. So you're basically telling me, let's say, man's put aside 20K a year for the next 10 years. And let's say I've actually invested that, yeah? Yes. Let's say that that for the, just for the sake of it, that two... That's become 200 grand, but over 10 years, that's become 200 grand. And let's say that's grown because I've invested it to maybe, let's say, 230 grand here after 10 years. Now, you are telling me Uh 
10 years, I can just go and withdraw that and not pay a penny in tax. Is that what you're telling me? The, the funny thing about your example is I think you're being quite conservative. I am being a very, con- yeah, very conservative. Yeah, very, because if you are, especially if it's a stocks and shares, so if you've invested and you're earning a return, I would um, probably project that in 10 years, you can and probably should double your money, right? Um, that's, that's, that's happened, and I expect that to happen as long as you obviously invest in the right things. But as you said, yes, you know, if you don't and you just invest in something very, very, very conservative and you get the most minimum returns and you don't lose money, yes, you can withdraw that £230,000. Not that I want to withdraw that. that money, but it's completely taxed. Of course, of course. And, and you know me, um, Peter, we talk about um, investing in assets that produce an income. Right. Mm. So with £230,000, just staying with your example, you can use that capital and invest, if you hadn't already, kind of invest in um, assets that produce the income, like dividends, and you can earn a return almost as if you're working. So you can earn an income from your capital tax free and take that to your account and use it to pay your bills. That's actually one of my objectives. Mm. One of my objectives in the next 10 years is to grow an investment account specifically the stocks and shares that are, to an amount such that in 10 years' time, I can actually withdraw some of that money as an income and pay off some of my bills without even losing the actual capital, right? I'm, I'm not, I might not, you know, because um, something might happen in, in the future where I don't actually need the income and I can just continue growing it for the next 15, 20, 30, 40 years, but it is an option and that option is fantastic. Fantastic indeed um, to have, you know, withdrawing from that money that's covering your, whether it's your mortgage or rent mm-hmm. or whatever it is every month. I mean, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, thanks for that, Jax. And the other day, we obviously had, we had a catch up with, uh, I guess, the rest of our accountability group, so to speak. And, you know, without mentioning any names, right? Uh, <laughs> this individual realized that he's eligible to open up a lifetime ISO, which is a type of ISO, right? Um, I guess we're in a new taxi. And, and, and the reason why I mention that is because what that's showing is that a lot of people, they might have heard these terms, they might have heard these things, but they might not think that it's relevant to them. Yes. So it would be good to really get into that and hear your thoughts on what one should and could do when it comes to opening type, certain types of accounts? Yeah, you know what? Um, that example is very, very common. So many people, and, and in fact, so many even financial professionals don't know much about um, the type of accounts that they can open that are yeah, even suitable to them. So they may have heard of the Lifetime ISA, but they ha- probably haven't done the research to understand the pros and cons and whether they can actually take advantage of them. So the lifetime ISA again is a type of ISA. We've done um, an episode on ISA, so of course, guys, you know, do go and check it out. Um, but yes, it's an account that if you want to um, use it as part of your um, way to save towards a deposit for a home, of course, you've got to help to buy ISA. It's about just understanding the pros and cons of both of these accounts. And generally speaking, um, I think, in my humble opinion, that generally it is a better product than the help to buy ISA if you're saving for your first home. In addition, you can use it to um, as, as an addition or a replacement for a pension, right? Majority of people um, like the idea with the lifetime ISA that you can 
you know, deposit money into this account up to the age of 50 and then continue growing it up to the age of 60. Of course, you have to be between the ages of 18 and 39 to open this account. But at the age of 60, Peter, you get to take everything out tax-free. And I'm like, the keywords we keep saying, tax. You need to start playing tax-free. I mean, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's you know, my um, encouragement for the average person is to be very proactive when it comes to their personal finances and understanding the pros and cons of all these types of accounts and how it relates to them. Because the lifetime I saw, I think is again, it's a fantastic product that people should be taking advantage of, hmm. especially our dear friend. <laughs> oh, please, my dear friend, now you know who you are. If you're listening, please make sure you've opened your lifetime. I, I, hope, I hope he's opened it. I really do hope. <laughs> In fact, after this call, I'm going that's, to that's go ask him. <laughs> that's it. And of course, um, to I guess if you are using it for your first property, for example, uh, for example, you would have need to have opened up, had your license open for at least one year. And do correct me if I'm wrong. What's the minimum amount you need to actually open up a lifetime ISO? If I'm honest, Peter, I think it's dependent on the platform that you're yeah. using, but. Um, from what I've heard, you can open up a lifetime, I said, with even one pound. Um, I know Martin Lewis was saying in one of his um, his speeches. Yeah. But yeah, and I agree with him, by the way. This is something I've told people to do as well, that you know that it needs to be opened up for one year. Yeah. And potentially you might not know whether you're going to buy within one year. So why don't you just open up anyway if you're only going to put in one pound? If you don't use it for your first home, you lose your one pound. And if you do, then at least you've got a clock ticking. So I think one pound is the minimum with most places. Brilliant. So it's very, it's going to be quite cheap. One pound or even two figures at most, quite very cheap. Um, you can open it up on a uh, a, a platform. Um, a nice Google search would help you with that. But that's probably an action for all of our listeners. If you do not have a lifetime ISA, please, please, if you feel it's beneficial for you, open it now with one pound, have it there, because you never know, it might come quite handy and you can thank us later. <laughs> yes, I expect my thank you, because this account is an amazing account. As I said, you can use it as an addition to your pension as well, where you could take the money out tax-free at the age of 60. That's it. And, oh, and I, did, I, I, did, I don't think I even mentioned, um, you get a 25% bonus. Oh, never actually mentioned that. That's, that's what makes it a very exciting account. You get a 25% bonus um, up to £1,000 because the maximum deposit is £4,000. Again, guys, we've covered this in the episode, yeah. All Things ISA, so do go check it out. Please do, please do, man. Let's take advantage. Let's all win together. And let's, yeah, let's all win together, man. That's why we do this. That's why we discuss these things, man. And Jax, you spoke a bit more before about if one has a business um, and just generally as well, when it comes to um, capital gains, uh, tax, dividend allowance, all of that, the right time to withdraw, what to look for. Do, do you want to shed some light on that, actually? Yeah, sure, sure. So, um, for those that have, for example, a limited business, so remember, if you have a limited company um, and you work for the company, if you even if you are the only worker in that company, you do you know remember that you are two different entities and you work for that company and you can withdraw money from that company in separate different ways. Um, you can withdraw it as a salary, which obviously incurs income tax, but a tax efficient way of withdrawing money from your business is to pay yourself a dividend. Now, as individuals, we all have a personal allowance when it comes to dividends. It's called a dividend allowance. Um, and it's £2,000. So every year, um, unless the, obviously the allowance changes, you can withdraw 
£2,000 from your business into your account to do whatever you want to do with it. Now, I personally decided to withdraw that £2,000. And I know, Peter, you can guess what I decided to do. Um, I know the company. (laughs) (laughs) So I withdrew, and I love this statement. So I withdrew um, £2,000 from my limited business as dividends. And then I used that money to invest in dividend stocks in my stocks and shares ISA. And I call that taking income to invest in income tax-free. <laughs> so that, that's literally what we always talk about. And people doing different ways, using business to fund um, assets like stocks and shares, and which may go into using it for um, rental property, etc. And it's just a cycle. Before you exactly. know it, it's just generating income on income on income. Exactly. Um, and, and the second type of allowance I want to talk about, aside from the dividend allowance, um, especially when we talk about investing, um, is your capital gains allowance. So um, if you do invest outside of a tax-efficient wrapper, like an ISA or a pension, or let's say you exhaust all the allowances already and you still got a lot of cash, first and foremost, congratulations to you. But if you've got additional cash and you are investing in other um, accounts, like a standard investment account, for example, um, you can actually you know, crystallize some of your profits so you can sell some of your assets at a profit and you still don't pay tax if you are within a threshold. Because again, we have capital gains allowance. I believe this year, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's 12,300 or at least 12,000 pounds in which you can gain in capital um, appreciation and still not pay tax. And so if you are someone, again, who plans on, um, you know, taking some money from an investment account, again, you can take it out through, dividends but just just to give you a bit more of a golden nugget um if you are investing in a um standard account you may want to be careful to potentially not invest in purely dividend stocks outside of a outside of a um, tax efficient wrapper because dividends are taxed a bit more heavier than um capital gains or, or better to put it you have a bigger allowance in capital gains, which is the 12,300, compared to your dividend allowance, which is 2,000. So just something I kind of use as a golden nugget for most people. If you were investing in dividend paying stocks, you probably want to do this majority in your tax efficient wrappers. Whereas if you're going for growth or companies that just usually go up in price and get that capital appreciation, I think that's absolutely fine to do in a standard account. I hope that makes sense, Peter. That makes sense, man. And I think... um... particularly to our new investors. Of course, during COVID, one of the exciting things is that we had a new wave of um, investors enter the the market. Um, And however great there is, um, there's things to watch out for. And we actually did an episode not too long ago on common mistakes that investors uh, make. And one of them is just this. So for our new investors, or even people that have been invested for a while, if you have... And a, a, an investment platform, just be mindful of what companies or uh, ETF because ETFs can be um, dividend paying ETFs as well. Yeah. And just be mindful of the holdings that you have, particularly if you have quite a large sum of money, which yeah. is generating a healthy return of, of uh, dividends as well. Yeah. Um, and I want to say something because I posted this on my Instagram um, last week and it got a lot of feedback. Um, but it was essentially about um, a famous um, actor who um, had his own, you know, actors usually get paid into a business account, right? 
and he was withdrawing money from his business um or, or, or just standards because he thought that was okay you know you could just take money from a business because um you know he wasn't really advised in the, probably the best way when it comes to tax um, and then later on, I think like a year later, he was hit with a huge tax bill mm. just because he was unaware of the kind of taxes that he needed to pay. He probably exhausted more of his dividend mm. allowance and then carried on taking dividends and not knowing that actually I'm going to pay tax on this. So be very mindful of that. And would it be fair to say, Jax, if you've got um, a healthy sum and let's say, I don't know, five figures, you know, m- minimum or so, um, and it's grown a healthy amount, um, if you don't know what you're doing when it comes to tax and the tax implications, do you not withdraw the money until you've actually seen an expert? Exactly, exactly. Now, I'm a huge fan of people getting um, a team around them as we progress as um, adults and as we go through a personal finance journey. When I talk about a team, I'm talking about having things such as uh, you know, uh, accountants, uh, financial advisors, if you want one, or financial coaches, um, you know, legal advisors and these kind of people because it helps you to make better informed decisions when you have these people around you so yes if you are someone who you know it starts to get into the five figures etc i would encourage you to get yourself an accountant um, or or a tax advisor to give you a bit more advice as to um, how to progress or if you are a bit more comfortable with a financial coach like myself then of course then that's what you can do absolutely and this does also include, because um, I know, uh, again, with the new wave that we're seeing, this also includes uh, cryptocurrency um, investors or what we want to call them, um, withdrawing from your returns from cryptocurrency, again, is also liable to uh, tax. Um, so, yeah, just be mindful of the tax implications. Keep your money in your investment accounts or wherever you're putting money into um, and really understand what you're doing when it comes to paying yourself before you actually do pay yourself. Exactly. Otherwise you'll be paying more than yourself. You'll be paying a tax man probably more than you even paid yourself. So you could be a bit careful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, cool. So uh, thanks for that, uh, Jax. Now I guess let's, let's go into something a bit more uh, so-called long-term. Um, I know you touched on briefly, but uh, thinking on pensions as well and pension contributions. Yeah, so uh, pensions is the most tax-efficient way of investing, or should I say the account is the most tax-efficient wrapper, mm-hmm. especially for those people who are higher-rate taxpayers. Um, if you are a lower-rate taxpayer, then generally speaking, I'm having, for example, a lifetime ISA might even serve you better generally speaking, but if you are a higher rate taxpayer or if you are someone who obviously works for a company, you're employed, you earn over £10,000 and you are over the age of 22, you should be employed um, or you should be part of, or auto-enrolled is the better word, um, into the company's pension scheme. Uh, But of course, as individuals as well, you can set up something called a SIP, S-I-P-P, stands for Self-Invested Personal Pension. But again, just to give you guys the heads up, we all have allowances as to how much money we can, you know, save or deposit into a pension account. Um, we've got a yearly allowance. I think this year it's whatever your salary is, up to £40,000. Um, so if your salary is £7,000 per year, then you can only put £7,000 into a pension. Um, but you can only do that up to 40 k So if you earn 50 k you can't put 50 k You can only put 40 k 
Um, I think, um, again, this is for the listeners and, and all of us to double check, but I think you can backdate pensions up to three years. That's something we need to double check. Um, but yes, again, this is something that is a very, very tax efficient way of investing. And it's something I've seen a lot of people that have large sums of money do. For example, um, you know, the kind of job that I do, a big part of it is we get paid bonuses. And I remember um, some of the, well, I call them the more wealthier people, when they're getting paid their bonus, they have the option. We all have the option of um, putting more of the money into a pension because it's tax efficient. And of course, myself, I want the money. <laughs> I want the money to be paid into my account. Um, but tax, it, there's a lot of taxes when it comes to bonuses. So it's about 50% from what I saw last, last tax year. Um, but those people that actually don't need the money straight away and happy to wait for the long term to um, take out the money and happy to benefit from the tax efficiency of a pension, they actually save the money into the pension. So whilst, let's say, for example, I might be taking um, a bonus of £5,000 home after my rule bonus was £10,000 because I've been taxed 50%, they will take the whole £10,000. So it's something that I think everyone should be considering um, putting, you know, kind of putting additional money into a pension. Mm. Brilliant. And um, does that also include from a, a SIP perspective as well? Yeah, they're all the same thing. So um, from a SIP, you can put as much, you know, money as you want, again, up to the allowance of, of how much money you claim as your salary. So that's just something to really, really consider. Um, it will be amazing to use up the allowance. As I said, if you're happy to wait to the age of, um, for, I think for our age group is 57, between yeah. before you can actually start withdrawing money from um, the pension account. If that's your time horizon, it is actually potentially better than saving it in an ISA. Brilliant. And um, just a, a bit of a, I guess, a hack, so to speak, something that I've um, done some time ago with um, my SIP, actually, just to get myself started. Um, I also, of course, contribute to pension in other ways as well, through workplace, etc. But I basically got all my old, not my current, but all my old workplace pensions together in one place and I put them into a SIP. And that definitely gave me a nice starting uh, start off, so to speak. Oh, nice. Yeah, you can consolidate your pensions. Um, there's different ways to consolidate your pensions. If you know the scheme number and you know where the pensions are, then all you've got to do is get some sort of code, I believe, Peter. Um, you get yeah. your pension code and then you kind of pass it on to your new provider and then they sort it out on the background. And um, if you don't know where your pensions are, you know, if you're someone who's moved around many different places over the many years, you can actually search for it on gov.co.uk. Mm. So I do encourage people to do that as well. It's really nice to, you know, see a lump sum of, of money come together yeah. um, in order for you to start your pension journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant, man. So, Jats, man, some key nuggets that have come out of this conversation, man. What One thing that I guess all listeners need to be aware of by the end of this video, um, say this episode, please, please just ensure that if someone asks you, do you have a nicer account? This time next week, you're able to say, yeah, of course I have a nice account. <laughs> yes, yes, Listen yes. to that episode that World Finance put out. Um, also, Lifetime ISA, if you haven't got one, please do consider it. If you think it will be beneficial to you in retirement or probably more importantly for some of our listeners for your first property as well. Exactly. I mean, you know, we are not financial uh, advisors. We are educators and we give information. So everything we do say, of course, you have to go back and double check all the information. 
But, you know, as we always say, we encourage people and we motivate people to be very intentional and proactive in taking their financial journey into their own hands um, and finding out more information. As, as Peter just said, on a personal level, um, I get offended <laughs> when people that I know have even started thinking about um, putting money into some sort of like tax efficient account because, you know, once you actually understand it, you realise why it is key for building wealth over the long term. That's it, man. That's it, Jax, man. Thank you very much for that. That's for, you know, a nice discussion around what one can do as we've moved into the new tax year. Hopefully that's got all of our listeners um, thinking. It certainly got me thinking as well. Jax, was there anything else you wanted to add or close with? Um, only thing I want to close with again is, you know, being careful. I always tell people just be careful of, you know, um, the money that you're taking out from these accounts. Be very mindful not to be paying yourself money just randomly without understanding the tax implications. And of course, be aware of the tax allowances. You can be very strategic, Peter. So if you know that your capital gains allowance of £12,000 or £12,300, whatever it is, you can decide to, to sell an amount equivalent to that per tax year if you've got a large portfolio. So with knowledge comes understanding. With understanding, you can make better informed decisions. Brilliant, man. Thank you very much for that, bro. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode. We do appreciate you. We want you to keep sharing, keep sending in those questions, right? Whether it's Instagram, email, hit us up, like, comment, subscribe, do the usual. And remember all, stay woke.